0: It's the top of the hour, and you're listening to WLCA, WLCA HD1
1: Godfrey. And now, it's time for the WLCA Sports Show.
2: Light them up for kickoff. Pump it in there, baby.
1: Good morning and welcome into the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We have a full show this morning as we will start off discussing what is going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the moment. And the reasoning for those struggles. And then at 9.30, St. Louis Blues writer for the NHL, Louis Korak, will be joining us to answer some questions about the Blues upcoming season. Then at 10.15, Mike Lemons will be joining us to discuss the college football playoff matchups, and we will be breaking those down. It is December 26th. I am Ethan Hannaford, your host, joined by Nathan Piercy and Jack Borkers. Guys, how was Christmas? You know, it wasn't that bad.
0: I had a pretty good Christmas. How about you?
1: You know, Christmas was pretty solid this year. I know it's been kind of a crazy, a crazy 2020 year, but I enjoyed uh, my time. That's with the, the understatement fa- with the fam? of the year. Yeah, understatement. <laughs> you, you weren't kidding. There. I'm sorry. Of the last three years, because this feels like the longest year ever. Yeah, you. That's a. Honestly, that's a good way to describe it. Compa- At least we have sports back, right? That, that is exactly right. You could compare. That statement have uh, been a long year to the Steelers, except it's more like <laughs> been a long month. They have lost their last three games. They started off the season 11-0 and have now lost three straight Washington, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. In those three games, they're averaging only 17 points per game, 5.5 passing yards per attempt, and 45 rushing yards per game, and a 33% third down rate. Those numbers are all worse than the numbers the Steelers put up last year in the 14 games that Mason Rudolph was at quarterback. Jack, I'm curious, I'll start off with you. What is the main reasoning for the Steelers' recent struggles? I think
0: you said it perfectly. I mean, with all the stats that you just kind of threw out, it's the offense. The offense has been dormant. I mean, it's been nowhere to be found. It's been kind of hard to watch them play as
1: Big Ben just regresses in front of all of our eyes. So is this centered more so around Big Ben or is there any other problems, do you think, that are... Um, holding them back on offense. I think it's Big Ben personally. I mean, his arm, his arm
0: strength has gone down. He just doesn't, you know, look as good.
1: His passing numbers, as far as throwing it deep, has lessened extensively this season. Nathan, what do you got on this?
3: Well, first off, I I, I think it's uh, Juju Smith-Huster dancing on logos. Oof. I mean. When you're when you're doing that, you're bit, already like you're you're making that other team already so furious with you. That they're going to they're going to pull out all like if they didn't already have enough motivation, you just gave them more. And that's you don't you shouldn't be doing that. You know, I think that you both kind of
1: summed it up well, talking about how there are multiple struggles right now. And for a team that has had a, some success this season, clearly starting off the season 11-0 just a few weeks ago. We were talking about, are the Steelers going to finish the season undefeated? And now we're talking about, can the Steelers win one more game? That offense has been so bad the last few weeks. And one of the big reasons, I think, and yes, Big Ben has been a big struggle or big reasoning for their struggle. I mean, if your quarterback isn't succeeding, there's a good chance you're not going to do very well. The offensive line, though, has done a very poor job of creating holes for James Conner, someone that at the beginning of the season was looking really solid And you recognize, you know, the point amount per week has just gone down and down. And you can almost line that up with James Conner and his success that he has had in recent weeks. So the offensive line, I don't think that they are really giving Conner an opportunity to get some work in. But also, when you have an old quarterback, an old guy that's not going to be able to escape the pocket like... Big Ben you know you don't have Lamar Jackson or some of these young guys Kyler Murray running around for the Steelers it's Big Ben he's not going to leave the pocket very often you have to be able to give him between three and five seconds to get a pass off and right now that's not really happening
3: at an effective rate right now for the Steelers and you know it's something that that to me kind of seems like it's might be part of the problem that we're seeing now because of COVID they had their bye week in week four yeah yeah so they've been going at it pretty pretty heavily here toward the end, and I think that might be really wearing down on them. And now. on top of that, I
1: believe then they have a was it one they, week a, they played like on a Tuesday. Yeah, and they had like, a bunch yeah, of scheduling changes.
3: So I mean that's going to play into it as well. That's that's going to be you know weird time. Guys get out of their routines, you get fatigued. I mean football is 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 a very hard sport on your body. I mean look at running backs; their careers are mainly what for most of them five years that's just how much wear and tear you're putting on your body so in all of that that's going to add to it and and that that could also be a major reason of why you're starting to see that fatigue that that tiredness that you know soreness that at the beginning of the season maybe went away by wednesday is now still lingering until about friday so we've talked about the problems now what now has to be done to get over
1: those problems and be able to get back into being in a a contending team for the Super Bowl, Jack? I don't think they're going to have an issue contending with the Super, contending for the Super Bowl when the playoffs
0: come around because I'm kind of just of the belief that defense will win you championships, and I think that Steelers' defense is completely capable of carrying that team to a Super Bowl potentially. Do I think that they'll do it? Most likely not, but I wouldn't necessarily count them out because they still have a, what,
1: top three defense in the league right now? It's a solid defense, and the only question I that I have with that is – we just saw a Steelers team in Week 15 lose to one of the worst teams in the league without Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals. Could not get anything going on offense against that really bad team. So the concern now is we're two weeks away from the playoffs now, and the Steelers are losing against the third worst, the second worst team probably in the league at this point. Where does the shift come to where the Steelers are now able to muster up enough offense that they're
3: able to compete with these playoff teams nathan well you know real quick going back i mean they didn't have a terrible game last week against the Bengals defensively if you look at the stats wise keep in mind though they that there's no excuse for losing
1: that game and the points absolutely and the points that they allowed you're facing ryan finley
3: who is ryan finley (laughs) exactly And, and but you know, looking at this, I mean, looking at their defense, they only allowed seventy-eight total passing yards. The problem was the run, the rushing yards. They let up hundred and fifty-two. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking at that, then that's that's where you're going to have those issues. And and you know, I'm not really sure what they can fix other than just playing better. Like it's it's not like you're going to go out and sign a guy and make you better or anything like that. It's going to be all internal. And I think one of their big things is. That's or that front seven, they have to stop selling out so much on the pass and 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 you know hoping that they're going to throw it. No, that you that was okay whenever you were winning big and and teams were forced to throw a lot against you, but now that teams can run against you, you have to g- sell out and stop the run, or else this is going to happen over and over and over again.
0: And this is this is a team where. You know, it's not ideal to lose three straight, but they do have the opportunity to cap off this season really strong if they can, you know, against the Colts this week and then a game that could potentially decide the AFC North uh, against the Browns here coming up. You know, you have that perfect slate to say, okay, those were a couple flukes. We were struggling, whatever. Now we're going to step back up and we're going to show, you know, we're here to stay.
1: Well, the concern is, and you can look at that in a positive way as an opportunity to improve, but you could also, as a Steelers fan, say, oh gosh, we've gotten our butts kicked the last three weeks against not-so-good teams besides the Bills, and now we have to face the two of the top teams in the league right now, two of the hottest teams in the league, and it's a bit concerning. I'm curious if, if you are real quick. Sorry, Nathan, sorry. but real quick, if you are interested in giving your take on this, text us on the WLCA text line 618-466-8936 to give us your take. Are the Steelers going to be a playoff team? Go ahead, Nathan.
3: So, so I'm lo- I'm looking at at these stats, these game stats over the last three games, um, and I'm noticing one major concern and the big one of why they lost to the Bengals, especially turnovers. In those games, they had one against Washington, they had two against Buffalo, and they had three against the Bengals. So they're declining rapidly in terms of turnovers. And even if you go back before that, against the Ravens, they had two, and ja- and against the Jacksonville Jaguars, yes, they won, but they did have a tur- turnover in that, and luckily their defense held out on that one and had four. So you have to stop turning the ball over because if I'm not mistaken, in that Bengals game, Uh, they had a turnover where it gave Cincinnati the ball on their side of the field. So they didn't have to go very far for a touchdown. That can't happen. And you know, it's kind of funny just bringing
1: it more fantasy related. Now I had to, let's see last week I was, I came back, had a great week in fantasy. I was in my semifinal. I was the one seed and I was winning by four and he had, the guy I was facing had two guys left. He had Eric Ebron at tight end. Who did nothing. He was on my team. Yep, which was great. And then he had their kicker. Their kicker had no points at halftime. So at halftime, I was still holding a lead with two of his guys not scoring any points. And his kicker scored five points in the second half, and I lost by a point, (laughs) 1.4 points. So that is how my fantasy week went. So just wanted to... Um, make all of you aware of how um, much I've been struggling this past week.
3: And, and you know what? Uh, you made the point earlier about the offensive line and, and the rushing game. I mean, you if you go as far back as the Tennessee game, which was their sixth game of the season, that's where you could kind of notice it really falling off. They had 94 rushing yards, then 48, then 46, then 44. Jacksonville, they had 106, but that's with no defense. And then Baltimore at 68. Was- against Washington, they had 21 rushing yards. So before we go to
1: break real quick, we have, like we ta- discussed a little bit, we have the Colts for them and the Browns. Let's say that they beat the Colts this weekend. We go in, the Browns are going to win this week, most likely facing the Jets. We have two teams that are even for that final spot. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Mm. Pittsburgh would still be
0: up a game. Yeah, Pittsburgh would okay. be up a
1: game. Let's say that the, sorry, let's say the Steelers lose this week and they're tied up, evened up. Who do we see? Who are we favoring in that matchup?
3: Cleveland. I think I think Cleveland wins this this AFC North. I agree. I think. I mean, if they lose this week to the
0: Colts, I think it's the Browns division to take.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious as to what the tiebreaker would be if the Browns because the Browns. I think it's head to head. Well, the Browns lost in week. What was that, week one or two? One of the first weeks, wasn't it? Early it, would be,
3: it was week six.
0: Okay, week six. It's divisional record then if you're tied head-to-head. Okay. Head.
1: So we'll be looking at that in the, just a moment, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have picks of the week. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. It is time for the Picks of the Week. Let's get it. I've been looking forward to this one all week because we have a good plethora of games coming up today and tomorrow. Man, Saturday night, Saturday all day football in the NFL. It's kind of... And some good games this week, too. I know. I'm excited. Let's get into it. First matchup, Tampa Bay facing off against the Lions. That one is in Detroit. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bucs in this one. I know that they have been inconsistent at times this year, but they are they have racked up a couple of wins in a row now. I think that we're starting to see them come into that playoff form that they are expecting to see themselves at and that is kind of that, you know, they're going to, the goal is to win games, but they're going to end up being close because you're not expecting Tom Brady to air out the ball. You're going to rely on that running game, kind of like the Titans a little bit. So I'm going to go ahead and say Bucks win this one. I have it 34 to 14.
3: I like that. That's a that's a good choice here. Looking at our next game here, San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. This game is in Arizona. I think it would be no matter what, because that's where 49ers that is are currently calling home. Um, you know, looking at this, if the 49ers had their full team, this would make this a lot more interesting. But I think Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins just go just air it out all over 49ers. So I've got them winning, I'll say 24 to 10. I'm kind of on
0: the opposite end of the spectrum here. Uh, I still think the Cardinals are going to win, but they've been inconsistent. I mean, we've talked about it almost every week. We've been talking about how inconsistent the Cardinals are. I still think they'll win that this game because it's big and that it'll keep them in the playoff hunt. But uh, our next game that we've got is Dolphins and Raiders. And I think this has the potential to actually be quite a good game. That's two very good defenses, I think, facing off against each other. Um, Tua, I really like. The Raiders have struggled. I am, I'm going to say the Dolphins take this one.
1: You see, I wow could, I could see this being a really sloppy game just because of how you bo- you mentioned it. The defenses have looked really good, but the offenses have looked very poor. So I think this is gonna be a low-scoring game. I have it 23 to 16. Um, but yeah. Next matchup, Chiefs and Falcons. There isn't really too much to say about this one. It's in Kansas City. Uh, you know, the Falcons have been a team that can kind of stick around with those top level teams. However, the Chiefs are above top level. Um, They're they're Super Bowl champions for 2021. Uh, So so I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Chiefs in this one. I don't think it's going to be a close one.
3: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's not going to be close at all. Um, Falcons offense might give a little bit. but That's about it. Next game, kind of like we just talked about the Colts at Pittsburgh. And with Pittsburgh going the way they are and that Colts defense playing like they are, I've got the Colts, but I'm going to say it's a 17 to 10 on a late touchdown from Phillip Rivers.
0: I think that's actually a really good prediction. I think that's going to be a a game of turnovers. Who wins a turnover battle? Who capitalizes? Um, Another game we've got going on this week is the Browns and Jets. I don't think this game has to be paid any attention to. Baker Mayfield is probably going to light it up once
1: again. Browns win big. You're telling me that you don't think that the Jets can pull off back-to-back shockers?
3: No. All right. Not with the way Baker Mayfield was playing.
1: Um, hey, I just want to point out just a couple weeks ago, Jack did predict that the Jets would beat the Seahawks. He He said that was going to happen. I've been picking against and the Seahawks.
3: Didn't. A lot, and it
1: didn't. It did not happen. <laughs> uh, let's see. What was the matchup we just talked about? Colts. No, Bears. Jaguars. Is that what we just talked? We about? just talked about Browns. Jets. Browns. Jets. Yeah, uh, I'm really on it today. I, I'm gonna <laughs> say. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to say too much about that. The Browns are gonna win that game. The, the Jets just are bad, and now they're not even gonna get Trevor Lawrence. Oh, that just makes me laugh. Next matchup: Bears at Jaguars. Really excited for this matchup. Uh, You know, you have two teams that are kind of trying to figure themselves out. The bears on one hand are going through an identity crisis. And it's, I'm really curious to see how, how Mitchell Trubisky is going to perform. If he's, you know, we don't really know what we are going to get out of him from week to week. And then we know that Jack over here loves the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew thinks he's the savior of America or something. I think that this is going to be, this could end up being kind of a slug out matchup. Um, It could end up going
3: high score, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with the Bears to win this one. Yeah, you know, this next matchup, you kind of see the same things. Two teams that are trying to figure themselves out in the Giants and the Ravens. You know, the Ravens aren't the team that they were last year, and I think they're trying to figure out who they are still, uh, which you shouldn't be doing in Week 16. Probably not. Um, but I've got the Ravens in this one. I think Lamar has a good game, and I think he kind of bounces, ba- or bounces back through the air a little bit more. Um, I've, got the, I've got the Ravens winning... I'll say twenty-one seventeen. This is a
0: Ravens team that's heating up at the right time. I mean, that game against Cleveland was game of the year. It was absolutely electric. And then they just went and put the whooping down in Jacksonville on the Jaguars. And I see that happening again this week against the Giants. Uh, the next game we got is probably my crap game of the week. It's going to be Bengals and Texans. I think this is going to just be an ugly game from the get-go. Deshaun has played so well this year, but the Texans defense literally does not exist. So uh, I think the Texans will win this game. Deshaun will probably will them to one, but it's been really hard to watch him on the sidelines and how upset he's been and how frustrated he's been.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pick this as my crap game of the week also. Just a bad matchup overall. I do have the Texans winning this one, but I don't think it's going to be pretty. I'm hoping that he eventually either finds some answers or gets out of Houston, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Next matchup, the Broncos facing off against the Chargers. This one silently was a game of the year potential um, nominee when they faced off the first time the Broncos came back. I think they were down by like 24 or 21 and they ended up scoring a touchdown as time expired to win the game by one point. So it was a really fun game to watch. I'm going to stick with the Broncos and think I think that they are going to get this win today. um and, You know, I don't really have too much reasoning as to why. I think that the J- Justin Herbert, while he's looked good this season, I think that, you know there's clearly some problems in L.A. with the Chargers and definitely some things to figure out identity wise there. And the same thing with Denver and Drew Locke. Is he the answer or not? But we've seen at this point kind of Drew Locke has a you know, he'll have a good week, bad week, good week, bad week. Well, if we keep up with that, then he's on pace to have
3: a good week. So well, against that bad defense, why not? Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, something that's, I feel like with the Charger, Chargers, you saw this back when they had Phillip Rivers and now with Justin Herbert. They have a good quarterback, but the rest of the team isn't. Sucks. Yeah, especially the defense. And that is why I agree with you. I think the Broncos win, especially um, with that poor offensive line um, of the Chargers. The the Chargers aren't going to be able to do anything until they fix that offensive line. Next game, we've got the Panthers at the Washington football team. This one's kind of interesting to me because you never know which Panthers team you're going to get week from week. with that being said, I think Washington wins it. And I think it's because of that run game with Antonio Gibson. So I'm gonna say it's it's gonna be a low scoring game, and I'm gonna say 17 to 13.
0: I agree. I mean Washington needs to win this game because the Eagles, Cowboys, there's an NFC East matchup. Uh, which is our next game, actually, and which would have been my crap game of the week if there weren't such good playoff implications. Well, not only uh, that, but there's also to this game,
3: and you got to remember too: Jalen Hurts. T- two bad, two bad teams facing off against each other tends to actually make a really good game. Jalen Hurts has also been heating up a little bit, playing some good football, which is the reason I have the
1: Eagles winning this week. All right, there it is. Next matchup: Rams and Seahawks. <laughs> We're ge- coming up on our next couple of games are going to be absolutely phenomenal. Really excited. But yeah, the first These one, next two are the best, I think, and this week Rams and Seahawks. This game, it's it's going to be a very interesting game because you have the Rams that are coming off of a, a loss against the Jets and are absolutely embarrassed from that. You know, they're going to be wanting to prove themselves to the league that they are still a Super Bowl contender. And then you have the Seahawks who have been playing really bad Football just sneaking by with wins in recent weeks. I think that the Rams are going to be ready to prove themselves. I think that they're going to come out and I think that they're going to win this game. I'm going to go with the Rams in this one. I have a 23 17. I have a low scoring slug out. You know,
3: teams are going to run the ball matchup. I agree with you on the team. I don't agree with you on the score. I think it's going to be a lot higher and I think it's going to be, you know, a 35 28 game, but I do think the Rams pull that one out and I'm looking at defenses as why. This next game is my game of the week. It's the Titans at the Packers. This one's really interesting to me. I mean, you've got Derrick Henry um, on, that, on that Titans team, but to me, the Titans, the, their biggest upside has been Ryan Tannehill in that passing game. Now that he doesn't have to... He, the, the weight isn't on, sh- on, on his shoulders or not on Derrick Henry's shoulders completely. They're able to mix and mass, run and pass... And this Packers team, we know you're, what you're going to get out of them with that good defense, and you've got uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. This is going to be a close one. I have the Titans winning 21-17. Wow. All right. First of all, I'd like to say I love that pick.
0: Second of all, Ryan Tannehill does not get as much love as he deserves. His stats have been comparable. Absolutely. Comparable to Patrick Mahomes, of all people, in the last 24 games since taking over. Adam Gase needs to apologize to Ryan but Tannehill for what he did to his the only career. But Tannehill is
3: quiet is why he doesn't he, get that much attention, and he, he's overshadowed by Derrick Henry. The only thing I would say is,
1: and yes, I agree. He is a top seven quarterback in the league. Top seven is what I'd give him. Seven is very specific. Yeah, because we had a talk about it like at the beginning of the year, me and Tanner did, and he was like, he's top 15 maybe. I'm like, nah, he's top, he's top five, arguably top seven. So I'll say top seven, but would he still be as good if Derrick Henry wasn't there because Derrick Henry we have seen and that here's the well cool no thing, but that takes the we, weight off of his shoulders we well and that's the difference you can recognize between a top Pierre quarterback and a good quarterback
3: but look at all the good quarterbacks they have a good running game to help support them absolutely so I'm it's just something to think about you know I'm just playing devil's advocate out here so
1: I'm gonna go the opposite way I think the Packers win this game we've seen in recent weeks especially if the tight if Derrick Henry is not on the Titans do not win the Packers have been looking a little bit better in recent weeks on the defensive side they've cleaned up quite a bit in recent weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Packers win this one. I have it 37-31. I think it's going to be a high-scoring matchup. Next matchup, the Bills facing off against the Patriots. Listen, the Patriots, they just have nothing going for them right now. There's no momentum in New England. Cam Newton, will he be there next year? There's a lot of question marks i'm gonna go ahead and say the bills win this one i have it being 33 to 21. i think this has to be really tough for bill belichick because this is usually the time of
0: year where he's where he's it makes uh, me happy gearing up and getting ready for the playoffs and now he's got nothing to look forward to because they're completely out of it i think the bills uh, are going to win playoffs? this game big too we we'll
1: about it. playoffs you kidding me playoffs i think that's the first time <laughs> this great. year
3: that i've used that where it actually makes sense we're gonna so take- <laughs> is, real quick is carson wentz the quarterback of the patriots next year colts no. not patriots yeah. well, i agree that's actually. a discussion for another week we're going to
1: take a quick break when we come back we are going to have st louis blues rider for the nhl on Louis korak you're listening to the wlca sports show on college radio's best welcome back to the wlca sports show on 89.9 we are now joined by st louis blues rider mr lou korak for the nhl mr Korak, how are you doing this morning Good, how are you? I'm doing great. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and uh, excited that, you know, I think maybe the biggest gift of all that we've received in the last couple of days is that Blues hockey is returning and it is not far away. Um, sadly, with that, you know, some news, a great um, Blue, Alexander Steen, announced his retirement from the NHL after 15 seasons in the league uh, last week. I'm curious, what was your favorite career Steen moment? Oh.
2: Uh, you know what? I'd have to. I've had many encounters with Alex. Uh, great guy. Uh, very. He can uh, he can keep you on your toes in the locker room as uh, as a journalist. Let's put it that way. And uh, he uh, he had several of those. But I, if if you're looking for something as far as on ice moments with him, I mean he's had he's had several. But uh, a couple of that stand out to me are just. Uh, you know playoff goals that he scored. Uh, the one there's one particular against the LA Kings, I believe it was in 2014, where they're in overtime. I believe it's game number two of a series, and you're killing a four-minute penalty, and you're thinking, no, this this doesn't look good when you have to kill a penalty in overtime, and somehow he's uh, he makes a play and is able to in football terms if you want to use it strip sack the goalie behind the net and able to tuck it in for a shorthanded goal and just the place just went absolutely bonkers and the blues win the game and you know this is the kind of player he is he's just he's hard-nosed he plays with his heart on his sleeve teammates love him to death and uh you know they're going to miss that element just the um the veteran leadership that he provides in that locker room i mean it's been around since 2008 and uh you know, he survived a lot of coaches, uh been been around the whole time with GM Doug Armstrong who was just coming into the organization that helped uh get him there and uh you know, it, it was a heck of a career for him. You know, a guy that can uh walk out probably I would say not on his own terms. You never want to walk out of the league with uh you know, an in injury dictating those terms. But uh, when you can play a thousand games in the NHL and walk out a Stanley Cup champion, I think uh, you can look back on it one day. Maybe not right now, but one day you can look back on it and say, I had a heck of a career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, that is very well said. That a heck of a career is perfectly said right there. Listen, Steam's retirement allows the Blues to exceed that sap, salary cap a little bit. $5.75 million AAV. And that creates a little bit more space i'm curious do you expect them to try and sign a free agent forward looking forward
2: it's possible i think they're in the market and they're looking they're seeing what some of the term i mean you've got some names that are out there that still are looking for contracts and uh i think what you're going to be looking at here is guys that normally in a normal year and were anything but normal right now uh that would be looking for multi-year contracts and uh You know significant salaries and aavs you know you're talking about a you know guy right off the top of your head a guy like mike hoffman who i think would be a perfect fit for this team but now he's already said and his campus said that they'd be you know more than willing to listen to a one year deal and uh come back to the table uh you know next summer to look for that uh longer term contract and uh but this is anything but normal right now. So these guys, some of these guys, are willing to uh, sign for these terms because they know the season is going to be shorter. You know, playing playing a fifty-six game schedule rather than an eighty-two game schedule. So, uh, but it's going to be tough because you know, while it does, and it's going to create some salary cap space once they put Steen on long-term IR, you still have to sign Vince Dunn. Uh, he's going to get a raise off of. Uh, you know, the 700, 750,000 that he was making last year. And uh, that's going to take up some of the remaining cap space that you have left. And you have to determine then what you have. And uh, is that going to be enough to get anybody that you feel is going to be a good fit for this team? Now, while the blues are looking, they're going to have to manage their books here and uh, make sure that they're cap compliant. Once the season starts on January 13th.
3: So moving on now past Dean, the blues this past week, Kevin have announced that Ryan O'Reilly will become the 23rd captain of franchise history. Now, we've seen him in some sort of leadership role in the past. How do you expect him to adapt to this new role?
2: I think he's going to be fine. I mean, he's already really entrenched in the, uh, in the fabric of what uh, some of the guys that have been here in the past, like we mentioned with Steen and guys like Jay Bomeester alex petrangelo even a jake allen who's been around these these are veteran guys that uh you know established the foundation and a culture in that locker room and ryan o'reilly mentioned that the other day that these guys created a culture that enabled these guys to do the things that they were able to do especially the new guys that came in and you know o'reilly is one of those guys that um you know kind of quietly goes about his business as far as being a vocal guy is concerned but i I think that's going to change here moving forward. I I think his biggest attribute is the way, uh, you know, he leads by example. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, after practice is going to stay out there for half hour, 45 minutes, continuing to hammer away at doing the things necessary that, uh, improves his game. And other guys have gravitated towards that. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to see, you know, how other guys respect and, and appreciate the things that he does. And, uh, he's one of those uh coaches within the locker room that that teaches a lot of these younger guys and even the the veteran guys gravitate towards what he does too i I think it's a good choice uh i don't think you can go wrong there i mean if there there was other candidates that you know they could have chosen from and maybe even gone into like a, a a rotating captain schedule where they could have done something like that i know that's uh been something that's been approached by different teams in the nhl in the past but uh You know, you're going with a guy that's 29 years old, still has a contract here. And to me, one of those things when you're choosing a captain is you'd like to keep somebody that's going to have some longevity there. And, you know, although O'Reilly's you know, contract will expire in three years, uh, you're probably talking about a guy that they'd like to keep around long term and somebody that uh, they respect. They respect his voice and respect his game. And uh, that's what you're looking for in a captain to me.
1: And you talk about a guy that is respectable in that that locker room and there's no one better than Ryan O'Reilly for that position. Speaking of some of those young guys that, you know, will be respecting Ryan O'Reilly as their captain. We saw several of those guys perform big roles on the team last year, including Rapper Thomas, Vince Dunn, Sammy Blay and several others. I'm curious, which player do you expect to show the most growth this season?
2: Probably a Robert Thomas because he's going to get a bigger role and a significant role on that team. You're probably talking about a guy that's going to be, especially in the early portions with a, with the Vladimir Tarasenko sideline with a shoulder injury, um, who's going to, Robert Thomas, is going to be playing a top six role. When you get thrust into that top six role, uh, there's going to be lots asked of you. And uh, I think we saw even during uh that playoff run where they won the stanley cup in 2019 uh when they put robert thomas into certain roles just how much he was able to persevere he took that a ne- uh, little bit of a next step last year and i think that's even going to grow this year he's going to get even a bigger role he's probably going to even take a bigger step so with more so you know with more added responsibility which is probably going to include some power play time uh you know centering a top six line and playing more minutes you know along with more minutes you're going to get uh, more opportunities and uh, we know the the skill level that's there i think from a coaching perspective uh, you've seen that growth in uh, getting him to play a two-way game being more responsible defensively that's just going to continue to grow with added reps and uh, i think he's going to be the one i mean you know you, you can't downplay any of those guys because a lot of them are going to get more significant roles, including events done, you know, on on that blue line. But uh, to me, Robert Thomas is probably a guy that uh, would not surprise me that uh, that's going to raise some eyebrows in the league this year.
1: Speaking of roles of improvement in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs, Jordan Bennington was was clearly not himself and struggled losing that starting position even for a few games. I'm curious, how confident are you that we will see a more consistent and improved Bennington in 2021?
2: I think he's going to be fine. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, has defied the odds to just to get to the NHL. I mean, we've seen the role or the road that he's taken uh, just to get there. And a guy that was basically put in another organization's uh, minor league team just so he can get some growth when he got uh, moved to Boston's uh, AHL team of all places in Providence uh, because they just had no room to. Have him grow here when they were looking at some other guys and, uh, or down in San Antonio. So it's, uh, it's a situation where he's always kind of used that chip on his shoulder as, as motivation. I think he's going to do it again. He's going into a contract year. And when you're talking about goalies in the NHL, um, it's, it's more of a what have you done for me lately kind of a league. And when you are put in that situation where, You're trying to earn your next contract. um, All eyes are going to be on you, and we saw when all eyes were on him. uh, You know, he put this team on his back and rode into a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's that's the pinnacle of what you're trying to accomplish and achieve here. Now, you know that those are some pretty lofty uh, expectations uh, going forward here. But um, I think he's very capable of doing something like that, and uh, he's put in the work this off season. And uh, like I said before, he's. He's a very motivated individual and doesn't need anybody else to motivate him. He's he's the greatest self-motivator, uh, and I, I think he's going to use that to his advantage this year. And there's there's going to be more responsibility for him, too, because he doesn't have that veteran goalie behind him like a Jake Allen that uh, can spell him if he needs really a break or if he needs somebody to uh, you know challenge him for his position. You've got a Billy Huso there that's going to be um, – trying to push him for some minutes and, and a guy that they're going to need moving forward. So a lot of this is going to fall on his shoulders, and I think he understands that.
3: If you're just tuning in, we are speaking with Lou Korak, who covers the St. Louis Blues for NHL, and you can find him on Twitter at L LKorak. That's K-O-R-A-C 10 on Twitter. Now, Lou, um, now looking kind of ahead to this season, I mean, the Blues got put into this West division that to me looks like It's going to be very top heavy, but also very good at that top end with Colorado and Vegas. I mean, uh, how do you think the Blues will perform in this West Division? And then, what team are you most concerned about?
2: I think it's good. There's, like you said, there's going to be some challenges there, but uh, I think it's a challenge that they're looking forward to because these are a lot of teams that uh, tend to match up and give the blues i don't want to say an advantage but uh it's it's favorable to the way that they like to play that uh, sort of uh top heavy where they're physical and and maneuvering in the offensive zone where they're able to use their physicality i know some of that's going to change a little bit with some of the different personnel that they've added and uh especially you know on that blue line you lose a petrangelo and you add a tory krug there but uh you know there's going to be some definitely some competition there and you know you look at some of the teams like you said uh, that you know didn't perform well last year and uh perhaps not expected to be you know to make that jump and be a playoff team this year but yeah i mean you know right off right off the hop there you know you're looking at playing vegas eight times you're playing colorado eight times that's 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 going to be as good as it gets so they're gonna they're gonna have uh quite the challenge there, just trying to maneuver around those two teams but you know when you're looking at san jose who took a step back la is still in that rebuild mode uh anaheim wasn't very good last year minnesota's kind of uh, they've had a lot of change over in a team that's going to come from the central over to the west for one year and uh you know you wonder how they're going to be able to react and Arizona's one of those teams that made that jump last year and was a playoff team, and I'm sure they're going to want to look to build off of that. So there's going to there's be plenty of uh, motivation there, and I think the Blues see an opportunity that, uh, you know, they can definitely be a playoff team in this group but certainly uh, are going to have to fight. Colorado is probably the team that I would be most concerned with just because of uh, the talent that they have, but you can't overlook Vegas either. I mean, the, those, those matchups there... Uh, are going to definitely be very difficult. So it's going to be tough to win that division, but do I see the Blues being a playoff team coming out of there? Yes, I do.
1: It still seems like just yesterday that the Blues were able to win that 2019 Cup, and even more recently, we saw the Blues really underperform in the 2020 playoffs with that first-round exit against Vancouver. What is the biggest key to the Blues getting back in the Stanley Cup Final in 2021?
2: Oh, well, there's a lot of very, I mean, You know, first and foremost, you need a lot. You need a lot to happen and and go your way. I mean, you when you look back at that Cup run that uh, they went on in 2019, um, you know, not only performance, you you have to have a lot of things go your way as far as whether it's good fortune, whether it's luck. You need all that stuff. But I mean, I just I just think that they need to be. They just need to build that solid foundation, and and it starts with your goaltending. I mean. Your team is only as good as your goalie. And we saw how, you know, well Bennington performed during that playoff run. I mean, it, it was incredible and he he had his peaks and valleys, no doubt about it, but uh you know, his ability to rebound and bounce back was definitely key. I don't think you saw that last year when he had his dips in the in the series against uh Vancouver, we saw Craig Baruby was made the switch and went to Jake Allen, and actually it helped propel the team back in the series. And uh, but then there was just too many just too many valleys that uh, they weren't able to overcome. I, as long as they bring that consistency and get that solid goaltending, I think it's going to filter out through the rest of the team because uh, this team is very well balanced. You know, the, there's there's really no quote unquote superstars on this team that you're going to consider to be in that. Uh, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, uh, echelon of players, Uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby. You just, you really don't have that on this team, but you have a lot of very, very good hockey players. And uh, when you bring a team of players like that together, it seems to bring out the best in everybody. And I think you saw that back in 2019. And for that to happen again, it's going to have to start with your goaltending and uh, work its way up from there.
1: Really excited to watch some hockey in 2021. Hopefully able to get to a game eventually if they are allowing fans. Mr. Korak, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and hope you enjoy uh, some Blues hockey this season.
2: Absolutely. You too. And thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Really appreciate it.
1: We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to be discussing the NBA and all the exciting Christmas Day matchups that we witnessed. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. It's time to discuss the NBA. We saw some pretty exciting matchups yesterday. Christmas Day, the NBA has become known for having those big time Christmas Day matchups. And it was even, even a bit more exciting this year because it was really the kickoff to the season. Game number two for most of these teams we saw some pretty entertaining ones. Overall, Jack, I'll start with you. Which game did you enjoy watching the most yesterday?
0: I enjoyed the late game. I actually really enjoyed the Clippers-Nuggets game. Oh, you were game. up for it? Yeah, I was up for it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the Clippers-Nuggets game. The Clippers have impressed me a lot so far this season in, in the sense of they're playing a really well-rounded team game. The bench players are getting involved. They look good. Will it carry on for the rest of the season? We don't know. But Paul George is playing almost all the way up to what his contract value is.
1: <laughs> you know, watching these games yesterday, there wasn't really that game that went down to the wire that had us, you know, last shot, who's going to win it. All of these games yesterday were ended up being pretty split. I think the closest game was a 13-point win, and we saw that in two games. One of those games, the Miami Heat and the New Orleans Pelicans, which is the game that I enjoyed most yesterday, and part of that's because I'm a Heat fan, but the other reason is because, you know, It was entertaining to watch Duncan Robinson tied the Christmas Day three-point record hitting seven three-pointers, hit six of them in the first half and the Heat won that game 111-98 and controlled really the entirety of that game even with Jimmy Butler being injured. I I don't remember, I'm not sure what part of the game he was injured at. I'm forgetting that at the moment. However, he did leave and did not return. So the fact that they were able to continue staying sound without him is a big key It shows how much this team is growing because this is a young team that we saw last year a lot of youth in those finals however You can start to recognize they're starting to grow. Now, you know, we did watch them play a pretty young team yesterday in the Pelicans. However, I I liked what I saw yesterday, and I think there's still a lot of potential there for them to maybe make another run at the finals. Nathan, did you even watch any
3: games yesterday? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I did. There was one that I was really excited for, and that was the Lakers and the Mavericks. Um, Going into that one, I, I I really wanted to see LeBron versus Luka. Um, and it and it started out pretty close. I mean at the end of the first quarter, the Lakers were only up by 3. So I thought that was going to be end up being a pretty good game and then they started to pull away. They were up by I believe what was it 11 or 12 at halftime? I don't know. I and didn't then, watch, I didn't watch that game. And then they never they never really looked back. So I mean I I was excited for that one going into it, um but the Lakers winning 138 to 115 kind of um, made it not as exciting as I expected it to be. What did we think about the Lakers unis? Did we like those? The little, the white with the light blue? I was blue? confused.
1: I oh, don't know. They're kind of weird. There was a few games I got confused with. Yeah, um, and they were
0: playing the Mavericks too. I was like, and the Mavericks wearing, like the Mavericks. The you know Mavericks I,
1: were wearing green. You know what I miss? I miss the the uniforms... For Christmas Day that they had years ago back when LeBron was in Miami and they had the sleeves for those games. Do you guys remember those? Oh, yeah, I know. What you're uh, those about. Oh, I hated those. I thought those were so cool. And then, you know, they had the commercial where they're all shooting the three pointers and like they had bells on the nets and it was like it played jingle bells. Do you guys remember that commercial? Yes. Like an iconic commercial. Yeah, so. I remember that. You probably, you're lying to me. You probably don't remember that. No, I that. do Nathan, actually. You? I do remember that. Nathan, shut up. No, you don't. All right. Let's go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm con- sorry. you know what
3: was one of the most confusing u- uniform combinations during those games? During these me. games? The Bucks-Warriors game. Yeah. Because the Warriors were wearing their normal whites, but it was just, you know, it was white, so you could, couldn't hmm. really tell much. The Bucks were wearing blue, the weren't Bucks they? The Bucks were wearing blue. Hideous. Hideous. I'll throw
1: you off. We have a few minutes now to talk about the NBA and a problem that we witnessed even before technically the season started. You know, starting only a few days ago, we have already seen one game be moved, um, postponed. The Rockets Thunder game was scheduled for this past Wednesday and was postponed due to the Rockets not having enough eligible players due to COVID. Among those not available was James Harden, who admitted to attending a friend's birthday party and conversing with people without wearing a mask. He tested negative, but was still not available for that game for violating NBA protocol, and he was eventually fined $50,000. Jack, is this going to be a problem in the NBA where we're seeing players breaking this protocol?
0: No, I don't think so. I think these guys want to play. I mean, you don't get paid unless you play. And uh, I I just find it hard to imagine that there are many players that are going to kind of go rogue like Harden has. And I think Harden's kind of gotten in his own head about stuff. You know, now he's the guy for sure that Russ is gone. He kicked him out and now he wants out. I don't know. James Harden has been a pretty toxic player, but I I don't foresee any other player kind of going out to that ridiculous edge of doing something that stupid.
1: You know, I think there actually is, I, I disagree with you on this. I think there's a decent chance that it will happen multiple times. I don't know how much of a problem it's going to be, but we're going to see it happen to where games are, postponed or moved. You know, this happened multiple times in the bubble last year where players were constantly leaving the bubble when they were not allowed to and they had to quarantine because of it and it hurt their teams. I think we saw I don't remember who it was. Was it Patrick Beverly went to like a strip club or something? I mean And then Daniel House for the Rockets. Yeah, so we saw it happen with multiple players last year. Yeah, was it the NBA where someone tried to sneak in a girl as a security It was Daniel yes, House. it was. Oh that was Daniel House. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so and now they have a little bit more, um, less restriction, I guess, considering they're not in a bubble. They're still, you know, they're they're at home. They're traveling now. But I don't know. Now you give them a little bit of freeway and the concern is, well, how honest are they going to be with that? And w- what is that going to lead to? So I think there is a little bit to be concerned about here. The main thing that I am concerned about is James Harden and how much of a sticker that he is, a thorn that he has become in the side of this league that. He doesn't care about anyone but himself and it just doesn't make sense to me now why anyone would would want to trade for james harden james harden has become so self-conceited it's all about him that he has ruined a perfectly good team almost in houston a team that was competing for a finals run you know or competing i guess for a conference title in the last couple of years russell westbrook's gone chris paul left because of him and now he wants out. Who's going to want to take on James Harden at this point? I mean, what's to say that this doesn't happen again when James Harden wants out from another team in three I mean, years?
3: A, a lot of it seems to be a risk-reward factor, don't you think? I mean, you're risking what may happen in your locker room and, you, and, and what might personally you know, off the court happen. For what? He hasn't won anything. But I he, don't even think it's a might, though. I think he's already
0: proven. That it's not even a mic. He's going to do it. He does not care.
3: Oh, I agree. But, but yeah. are you? But are you? Are you willing? The the GMS are going to ask themselves: Are you going to ri- are, are are we willing to risk that for a guy who can play very well on the court? Do you think that it's worth it? I wouldn't if I'm a GM. Do you, Jack? Unless unless I feel like my locker room is already in shambles and it's not going to matter. <laughs> Let's just throw in James Harden and make it even worse. Exactly. Why not? You know. <laughs> well, I mean, what's he that fuel
0: to the fire? He has a trade list of like what three teams? It's the Celtics, the I think the Blazers and one other team. And well, I, the Heat were on there,
1: the Sixers were on there, the Blazers were on there, and the Nets were on there at one point. Yeah. So but, I think it's four or five. But I mean, I know the Heat were. You know, in talks a little bit for a little while, but now they're
0: not. Well, first of all, I mean, his first issue here is trying to get moved to an established team that is already contending to get away from Houston where, you know, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, if he does a complete 180 and has a come to Jesus, I mean, the Rockets Mm. could turn it around and be a playoff team, not a championship caliber team, but be a playoff team. I just I don't think he's taking his role seriously enough, and I don't think he understands the amount of damage he's doing to himself personally, and to his value.
1: I think there is still some potential for structure in Houston. You have John Wall, you have DeMarcus Cousins, two guys that have great chemistry. And DeMarcus Cousins, that mo- pickup has been completely looked over. That was a genius pickup from the Houston Rockets. The only problem is, these three guys are stars. And sometimes we see, when stars come together, the, Personality the stars clash. don't always align. I know Because they pick all, up all line, want the ball. They all want the ball. And it can become a little
3: bit... And you know the sticky situation. And and real quick, I just want to highlight that, that is something that's made LeBron James so good is that he is a superstar, but he doesn't mind giving the ball away in those in those big time situations.
1: Yeah, and he's keep in mind though he's also in year eighteen. He's become a better passer at this point than score, and maybe that maybe that's a reason why. But I I agree. I'm just I think that there's a little bit more to it than with lebron james because lebron james has always been a little bit of a better passer but james harden his primary thing is shooting so i don't know there's there's some concern around around that before we go to break real quick what player has impressed each of you i need real quick answers like 20 words has impressed you the most to start off this season nathan go I'll be honest. I haven't watched enough basketball to to answer this question. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we're turning you off for the rest of the show. Goodbye, Nathan. Uh, uh, Jack, how about you? I will keep it very short and very sweet. John Morant, 44
0: points. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do this year in Memphis.
1: Yeah, it's, that's a pretty good answer. I had John Morant down also. I also had Rudy Gobert down, dropped 20 and had 17 rebounds and we've seen his performance just pick up constantly in recent weeks. So, well, he just got paid, didn't he? He did just get paid, deservingly, too, because Utah, he's making them a lot, a much better team. And I'm intrigued to see where they go in the future in recent weeks or in upcoming weeks, I guess, in months. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have Take It or Leave It for you. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show on College Radio's Best. Take It or Leave It. Let's get it. <laughs> here we go. First one Take It or Leave It. Pulling it up right here. Last year in the College football playoff, LSU combined for 105 points. Take it or leave it. Alabama will score more than that this season. Jack? I'm going to take it.
0: I actually really like that Alabama offense, and I think it's super potent, and I think they can score at will whenever they want. I could see them scoring more than 105 points.
3: Nathan? I'm going to take it as well, and I think it's, like you said, that offense is really good. And I mean, they're, they're going to be able to put up however many points they want, even if they have to face that defense at Clemson. I'm going to leave this while I do think that Alabama is a really solid
1: team. Them averaging like 52 points for back-to-back games. Notre Dame, I could see it. Clemson, I don't know if it'll reach that. So I'm going to leave it. I think it'll be around there, but will it reach it is the question. And I'm going to say no. Next one, take it or leave it. Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback for the Jets. In 2021, Uh, I'm going to leave it and say that it's probably going to be Justin
0: Fields because obviously the Jaguars are going to get Trevor Lawrence now. So I see it probably being Justin Fields unless they reach for a skill position player and try to get Sam Darnold some weapons. But I can't see that happening.
3: I'm going to leave it, but I'm going to say it's Mac Jones. Whoa, big old take there. I'm going to leave
1: I'm going to leave it also, but I don't think it's going to be Mac Jones. I think it's still going to be Sam Darnold. I think that if they are, if they draft, if they somehow end up getting Lawrence, then I think Lawrence would probably start. But Fields, I think, has proven at this point that he needs a little bit more time to develop. So I could see them sticking with Sam Darnold for a year. Do you think the Jets care, though? They're the Jets. (laughs) Eh. I mean, it's the future of their ball team. So, I mean, I don't know. Sam Darnold's not a bad quarterback either. I mean, so. They need to get him he is in weapons that and an
3: offensive line.
1: Yeah, it's the system, like you said. You know, they got to get Adam Gaze out of there. And they need the every- reason that they had Adam Gaze in there was to lose games. And he couldn't even do what they wanted him to do. To do. So, <laughs> sticky situation over there in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Next one, take it or leave it. Robert Thomas is a
3: 20-goal scorer in 2021. Nathan? I'm going to take this. Now, I know that's kind of a high number, especially since they're only going with a 56 game schedule, um, but I see him actually sliding in the right wing slot um, f- where Tarasenko was on that shin and uh, Schwartz line. So, at, or at least the start. And so putting him there is gonna open up a lot of chances. If he's not a 20 goal scorer, he's easily gonna be a 40 point man though, um, especially if he's up there. So maybe not all of those goals, You know, half goals, but he's he's definitely going to score a lot of points. I'll take it, but I won't be surprised if it doesn't happen. I'm going to leave it just because this is a 56
1: game season. If it was an 82, I'm saying, yeah, Thomas is probably going to get it this year because like Luke Korak just said just a few minutes ago, I think that he is going to have a much improved year. I think he's going to we're going to see really an incline in his performance so, but because it's a fifty-six game season, I'm gonna go ahead and leave it. Next one, take it or leave it. Michael Waka, who signed with the Tampa Bay Rays this week, will have another 15 win season before he retires. Jack? I'm
0: actually gonna take this because if you look and see what Tampa Bay does with starting pitchers and like what Charlie Morton had been able has been able to do down there and how effective he's been he has been, I could see Michael Waka potentially maybe having that, you know. One last season where he's like really good, where he kind of returns to form. I'm really interested. I think Tampa Bay is going to do a really
1: good job uh, in helping him. See, my only thing is Charlie Morton, while he was, while Tampa Bay did develop him to a whole new level of elite, he was still decent. He was still a good pitcher in Houston. Michael Walker last year won one game. He went one and four and had a, let's see, I'm trying to find, where's the ERA on? A 6.62 ERA. So to say 15 wins for him, I think that's a stretch. So I'm going to leave it.
3: Nathan? Yeah, I'm going to leave it as well. I, I just don't see Michael Walker as being that guy that we saw in the, you know, early 2010s. You know, his rookie year going up against Clayton Kershaw and, and out dueling him in the playoffs. He's just not that guy anymore. So I'm going to leave it. Plus in, in Tampa Bay, I just, I just feel like they like, aren't they trying to, trade blake snow they're not trying to they said that
1: he is available if someone wants to make an offer for him but it is not a necessity for them to
3: ship him away that would be smart i feel like you would end up overpaying for him well i mean regardless i I don't think michael walker is going to be a 15 uh win guy anymore i would agree take it or leave it now next one the steelers don't win another game
1: this season nathan
3: I could easily see this happening. They're, you know, this week they're going against an Indianapolis Colts team who has a very good defense, and, and like we talked about at the beginning of the show, the Steelers are starting to have turnover problems, and that could be huge. So I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take this because after that they've got a Cleveland Browns team who are gunning for that division, and the way Cleveland, I mean Baker Mayfield is playing out of his mind right now. That team is playing just incredibly well. So I don't think I, I I don't think the Steelers beat either one of them. So I'm definitely going to take it. I think this is the toughest take it or leave it
0: we've had so far because I I'm going to leave it. I think they'll win at least one of the last two. Now, obviously, they would they would need to win. I mean, they don't they would win the division if they win one of these last two games. Right. It would keep Cleveland just out. No. Well, no, Cleveland would have to win, to win both. both games, yeah. Okay. So. I think they'll win one of the two games. They might sneak one out against the Colts this week, but they're playing really uninspired football right now.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take this. Um, Steelers aren't, like you guys pretty much summed up, they're not playing good football right now, and I could very likely see the Steelers not winning another game, especially with the, the strength of schedule that we're lined up to see, the Colts and then the Browns. And then, where do they even end up at that point? If they lose both of those games, there's a chance they're a four seed and they have to play. Who who? I don't even know who who would, would be probably, lined up to play. I would right? guess what Tennessee, maybe? Tennessee or an in Indianapolis again. So Tennessee I mean, it's not like game. it would. It's not like you would get any easier for them. So I'm going to go ahead and take that they won't win another so, game this year. So they
3: went from starting 11-0 to possibly being bounced in the first round. Well, and losing thought, their last six games. I yeah. thought they were frauds this whole time. I thought the 11-0 the
0: thing, way too much hype. I, uh, I never thought they were going to the Super Bowl this year.
1: Hype, yes, but, I mean, you looked at that early season schedule, and it wasn't strong, but they were winning games like we knew that they could, you know, and now they're not winning those games that we knew that they should be, I guess. So their, de- their performance has definitely decreased in recent weeks, but... It, yeah, so it's an interesting topic to see if they are going to be able to squeeze out one more. I don't think there's any chance of them winning that Super Bowl, especially with the Chiefs being in that conference or even making it to the Super Bowl next one. Take it or leave it, John Morant is an all-star in the next 2 years. This Jack- is
0: this is easy to me. I mean, I'm absolutely taking it. I you should have made it the next year or this year. I mean, he could be an all-star this year, in my opinion. Are they having an all-star game this year? I don't think so, but they may still have the selection. They may select it kind
3: of like the oh, they're true. doing with the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Maybe they'll do it on NBA 2K like they're doing. That'd you know, be right? awesome. Uh, for NFL.
1: Who's like who's playing for each of the teams for Madden for like the Pro Bowl? Who's
3: I thought they were just going to sim the game.
1: Oh, really? That's how they do I don't know. It's kind of yeah. boring. Yeah. yeah. Man, I was really excited for that, but if they're <laughs> simming it, then that'd be lame.
3: Right. Um, I'm, I'm going to take this as well. I think, you know, uh, as kind of like you talked about earlier, Jack, I mean, John Morant's kind of playing out of his mind right now, and I think that's going to be here to stay. So I definitely think so. Uh, and real quick, I want to go back on the on the on the Steelers thing real quick. If they do lose out and they're a wild, you know, a wild card team, they may have to end up playing the Bills, which they already got destroyed by earlier. That would not be no, they lost by 11. They didn't get destroyed, but they didn't play. They well. They should have. They they sh- but if they continue to slide the way they are, that's going to be a blowout. And the bills are scorching right now. The bills are heating up at an
1: intense level. And I forgot to bring up our take it or leave it fan vote for this week. It was the Robert Thomas one. Will he score 20 goals in 2021? An overwhelming 86% said yes. So there you go, guys. The people disagree. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're underestimating the they, power of Robert Maybe they forgot that it was a 56-game season. Did. Maybe they did. But may, or maybe we're just not talking enough about the overwhelming power of Robert Thomas. I mean,
3: re, you know, real quick before we go to break, I just want to say that, like Lou said, this season, I think hinges a lot on Robert Thomas's shoulders in terms of how, how much of a step he takes forward. But I think he has all the ability and all the the. Everything that you have going right, he has going right for him, is going to make him make that big jump forward. Agreed.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to have station manager and college football aficionado Mike Lemons on to discuss the college football playoff. You are listening to the WLCA Sports Show. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. We are now joined by the one and only Mike Lemons, our station manager and college football master, aficionado, whatever you want to call him. They all fit, except for I guess like writer. He's not a writer, but you know, he's still he's still a mastermind when it comes down to it. Mike, how you doing? Hey,
4: just as long as you think that way, I'm I'm happy. You know, yeah, I hear I a lot of sucking yeah. up. It's but. it's
1: funny. You know, I'm just trying to hype them up for our listeners. You got a problem over there, Mr. Uh, I don't don't know know who's impressed me in the NBA this season. Yeah. Quit talking over there, Mike this week or last week, I guess last Sunday, we saw the college football playoff committee announce the teams that will play in the playoff Alabama at one Clemson at two Ohio state at three and Notre Dame at four. I'm pretty sure that's what all of us predicted if I'm correct. So, yeah, Not I think
4: I may have predicted the order a little bit better, but you know we don't have to go back and check the tape.
1: Okay, if you if that makes you feel I'm better, if that now. makes you feel better, then we will go ahead. Because I moved Notre Dame to four,
4: and you guys went really, and I'm like, yeah, because I don't want Notre oh. Dame to play Clemson again.
1: Yeah, that was a fair point. Yeah, you're right. You're right on yeah. that. So, man, Mike, you were just like making all kinds of noise over there today. So, <laughs> Mike, I'm curious what you think. Do you agree with? The committee on leaving Texas a And M out. We heard Jimbo Fisher make some pretty interesting comments on that. You know, just talking about how we have won seven straight games in the SEC. No one else has done anything that impressive like in the last seven games. Do you agree with leaving a And M out?
4: I do. If you remember last week um, when we gave our top ten, I had a And M at like nine. I just don't think they're that great. Yes, um, they've done that, but th- their wins aren't that impressive. I don't think uh, their only impressive win was Florida, um, but then Florida got <laughs> got beat by LSU. So, and they lost to Alabama by twenty eight. You had a chance to knock off, knock off eventually, who's going to be the top dog, and you got beat by almost thirty. So, no, I don't. I don't think they deserve to be there, and I don't even think they deserve to be at number five.
1: Wow. So, Mike, you're saying that you think so? Is the number nine still fitting for you for where A and M deserves? You think? Uh yeah. I think that's a pretty good
4: number for them. I mean, Oklahoma's playing extremely well right now. I think they might be one of the most dangerous teams. I might put them ahead of Florida still. Even you know, I might. But I would move Cincinnati way up. I mean, I think I would put Cincinnati at five. I'd switch Cincinnati and A and M for sure.
1: Okay. So that's a, that's an interesting take and. I think we're going to find out here in just a few days how good Cincinnati really is, a matchup against Georgia, a big test for them, and it'll be interesting to see how that one ends up, but we will be talking about that a little bit more in um, in the next segment. Nathan, I'm curious, how about you? Is A&M, Did do you think that they deserved to be in the top four, or are you I, th- agreeing with Mike, not even a t- number five team?
3: I mean, I, I agree with Mike. I would say... I would say Oklahoma maybe would be a, 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 a better fit there, but uh, honestly, I don't think it matters who that number four team is. If I'm being honest, I don't, <laughs> no. I don't think it matters. I don't, I don't see any of those teams that are below there. You know, Oklahoma, Florida, I mean, we saw what Florida happened there. What happened there? Cincinnati, I mean, no one, I don't see anyone really challenging Alabama. So I, I don't think it really matters who was in that number four spot. They're gonna lose.
0: Yeah, I agree with Nathan here. I think it's I think it's really just uh, who wants to lose to Alabama.
1: <laughs> so, you know, and I, I do agree with that to a certain extent. And, of course, you know, the committee or I guess the people are still going to be upset because people will be saying, you know, we wanted a chance to play Alabama. And, Mike, you talked about it all year, you know, what's really better for teams like Cincinnati that... You know, them, you know, getting a chance to win a New Year's Six Bowl game or them getting absolutely obliterated in the college football playoff by Alabama. And there's good cases to be made for both, you know, and you guys really nailed it on the head. No matter who Alabama plays, they're going to win the game. So in that case, yes, I agree. But, you know, you look at Notre Dame and their their win this season, their big win was against Clemson. And most people will say, well, Clemson, that win, you know, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence, right? You could still make an argument that that win, a, Cle- a Trevor Lawrence-less Clemson, was a better win than AM and m has had all year. Maybe you could argue that that Florida game was a better win, but Florida was also, you know, they just lost to LSU in a couple weeks ago, which is, what, a three-win team on the season or something like that? So if, if Florida wins that game, I think it helps A&M a little bit because it makes that win look more impressive. But with them losing that game, I think that that hurt him a little bit. Do you agree, Mike?
4: I, I do. And if you look at, you know, who's in, so you know, Jimbo Fish is gonna argue against uh, Ohio State because they have much fewer games, and that's yeah. and that's fair. Uh, but as far as Notre Dame being at four, their only loss is to Clemson. Yeah. And then they and they beat Clemson. So the same way with Clemson. So I think the top four are exactly the way that the top four needs to be. And as far as crying because you've won so many straight, well, let's go back again. When you had the chance to beat someone that's now the number one team, you got killed. So, I, I, you know, stop crying about it. I think if anyone has an argument to be upset, it's Cincinnati. But what's hurt them is, you know, they played a game a month ago, where they barely, five weeks ago, to where they barely won. Then they were off for four weeks uh, because of COVID reasons. Uh, not any fault of their own. And then, you know, they barely beat Tulsa. And I think that really, really hurt them. Um, I would love to see Cincinnati play A&M instead of Georgia. Um, but I think the top four or who the top four needs to be. And a you had a shot to beat the big dog and you didn't.
1: And I I almost agree with you on that A&M versus Cincinnati because A&M, according to the committee, is the next best team. And Cincinnati undefeated team, who's ahead of them right now? Oklahoma and who's the seven team? Florida. Florida. Oh, Florida's still the seven team. Okay. So yeah. I mean you could make an argument that I mean Florida, who's Florida playing in their bowl game? Uh Oklahoma. So that's Oklahoma. the six and the seven. So yeah, I think you could make a really good argument that Cincinnati should be playing A and M rather than A and M playing North Carolina. It's almost a slap in yeah. the face to Cincinnati that, you know, will give the next best team out of the playoff the number thirteen team. Rather than you yourself,
4: so and you're kind of you're kind of in a way giving a and m and out. I mean, even though I think I think that's going to be a great game. Um, yeah, I just I wish Cincinnati. I mean, the, it's great test with Georgia. Don't get me wrong, and that's going to be an exciting game. But uh, you know, I would love to see a Cincinnati a and m game.
1: You know, this past week the Heisman team or the Heisman finalists also came out: Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Kyle Trask, and Devonte Smith. And boy, oh boy, am I excited to talk about that! But we are going to. Hold off the big majority of that talk until next week. Make sure that you tune in same time 1015 because we are going to be discussing our cases for each of those players and why they are deserving of winning. It's going to be really fun. But I want to focus now on the guys outside of that list, the five through 10, who I guess were the runner ups almost for the Heisman candidacy. Mike, can you go ahead and say the five through 10 for us? Sure. So just
4: to let everyone know, the Heisman votes have already been cast, and they've released who finished 5 through 10. And at 10 was Kyle Pitts, the great tight end from Florida, who, by the way, has opted out for this game, uh, the upcoming game, and and declared for the draft. Ian Book, it's a little surprising. Ian Book finished as far down as he did. He finished at 9. Zach Wilson from BYU, who's a great quarterback, um, uh, he finished at 8. 8. Justin Fields, he just he just doesn't have the resume this year because of the few number of games. I think everyone agrees that he's one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, but um, the uh, the number of games just weren't there, so he was at seven. Brees Hall, a running back from Iowa State, who really has more yards than Najee Harris. Um, their yards per carry, their average per carry, is exactly the same five point nine. Um, but he does have about 150 more yards. But Najee Harris has eight, uh, five more touchdowns, and he plays Brees in the Hall, SEC. And he plays in the SEC. Brees Hall finishes six, and Najee Harris is at five.
3: So that was speaking of Najee Harris. He had an incredible game in that SEC championship game. Wow. Yeah, what a performance! And I, at a, in that SEC
1: championship game, I think that I was most impressed with Florida, honestly, and how they were able to stay in that game. We talked about. In the show, but prior to the how Florida was probably going to get annihilated, right? And I, th- they earned my respect, honestly. You know, I didn't really know what to expect from them after that bad loss against LSU, but they came in on fire and ready to ready to play in that game, and they impressed me. Didn't finish, uh, you know, the way they wanted it to for them, but they still performed pretty darn. Pretty darn well. But they do
4: that. They do that, right? I mean, they'll often get up for those big games, and then they'll have the head scratcher, like to LSU. So you you wonder how that happens. It's almost like they need some other kind of crazy motivation, and they don't really stand up for the other ones. But going back to Najee Harris, you know, 31 carries, 178 yards two touchdown rushing. It's not often that you can have a back rush for 178 and still have a quarterback throw for 418 and five touchdowns. Ridiculous. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, Mac Jones really stepped up, and he outperformed Trask that day, which we said that could be a determining factor on how those two finished in the Heisman.
1: It'll be interesting to see if that does have an effect, and here are cases for that next week on the show. Before We have a couple minutes before we go to break. Mike, I want to go back to Ohio State a little bit. Finishing as the three-seed, what do you think that the big argument made I know so let's keep the I know the committee was probably keeping an eye on they didn't want the viewers to have to see Clemson Notre Dame for a third time in the season cuz viewership the ratings probably wouldn't be very good but besides that what do you think that the mindset was that Ohio State is the third best team in the country and Notre Dame is the fourth
4: um, well, the biggest reason, once again, is what you just said. Is now you're going to have another matchup a week later, the third one of the year. So it's easy to slot Notre Dame at four. You're still putting them in the top ten. Ohio State,
1: they're an undefeated Big Ten champ, and I understand you know there's only six games there, but um, and also did not perform very well in that Big Ten no, championship. You know, and, just and, and, snuck and, out of that game, really. And Northwestern had every opportunity to win that game too.
4: Sure. And don't, I mean, but Northwestern has a pretty strong defense, and that's kind of what got them there in the first place. And Ohio State's going to have to really, really um, play mistake free, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But I think that's why. I think the biggest motivating reason to Ohio State's undefeated, Notre Dame has lost. Notre Dame lost convincingly to Clemson. And by putting them at four, Notre Dame at three, you're not seeing Clemson, Notre Dame again the following week.
1: So, we, Nathan, we have. Alabama, Notre Dame. We have Clemson, Ohio State as the two big games, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, respectively. What game outside of that are you looking forward to
3: most to see? You know, before before the uh, announcement that Kyle Pitts was not going to play in this game, I was I would have said Oklahoma and Florida um, because that game would have been I, I feel like kind of a, a shootout. I mean, I know a lot of college games turn out that way, um, but now I'm looking at Cincinnati and Georgia. I think for Cincinnati, it, it really it really is a, a chance for them to prove themselves. And Georgia, too, it kind of helps you go into next year. Um, they have to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. And I think this might give them the chance to do that. Jack, how about you?
0: I would probably say, I'm going to say Oregon and uh, Iowa State. I have a feeling that Oregon has the opportunity to upset that game. I think that game is going to be really interesting.
1: You know, that's kind of an interesting one because I think a lot of people could make an argument. Why is Oregon even here? Just being that that conference was so, so not good and disappointing this year. And, you know, a team that wasn't even supposed to be in the Pac-12 championship ended up winning the Pac-12 championship. So kind of an odd setup there. You know, for me, it's really between the Georgia, Florida, or sorry, not Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, Florida, and Georgia, Cincinnati. I think both of those are going to be really exciting games. I think that man, I don't know. I'll go ahead and say Georgia-Florida. I'm still really excited for that matchup, just because, even though Kyle Pitts is out. we mean Oklahoma-Florida? What did I say? Georgia-Florida? Georgia, Florida. My goodness. Oklahoma-Florida, yes. Um, I am really excited for that matchup. We saw Oklahoma has a... I think they actually have a good defense for not just the Big 12, but for college football for the first time in how many years? I mean, we've seen them win, what, now? Six Big 12 titles in a row, I believe it is, and... How many of those have they allowed? Only 21 points. So pretty impressed there that they were able to rely on the defense as the main reasoning for that win. And it'll be interesting how that defense performs against an SEC team and a pretty good SEC offensive team. The big thing is, you know, Nathan, you said Kyle Pitts leaving. Kyle Pitts is a big loss for them for sure. However, keep in mind, Florida still has some weapons. They just had. um, Yeah, but they're weapons that Kyle Trask
3: doesn't tend to go to very often.
1: Well, he added, let's see, hold on. I'm forgetting the name. Mike, help me out. Who was the guy that just went for like 150 yards receiving in the game against Alabama? You know who I'm talking about? Is it, um. Yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll get there. I'm, look, I'm looking at his name. But while while we look for that, go ahead and tell us but, but
4: why. No, I wanted to go back to what Jack was saying. You know, and not that I'm not excited necessarily about... Um, Oregon, Iowa State. About that game. But that game's a little bit more closely matched than you think. I mean, when you look at the stats, they're, they're very, very similar as far as, you know, points allowed uh, on defense and points scored on offense. So, uh, that's there. But <laughs> that game doesn't excite me as much. I think it's going to be closer than people think. But this Florida game does excite me. We're talking about um, Tony, right?
1: Kadarius Tony, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, So, I... Uh, I think this game's exciting, but let's also not forget that on that same uh, day, uh, our Missouri Tigers are playing, right?
1: Woo-woo, M-I-Z facing off against Iowa. And it'll be against interesting, Iowa. It'll be interesting to see how they perform Big. because we've seen them struggle in recent weeks. They got spanked by Georgia. They got beat bad by Mississippi State last week. So will they be able to get back
3: on their feet for Iowa? Big shout-out, though, to Coach Drinkwitz. I mean, his first no year as, yeah. as head coach, and he takes that team w- – and not only a first year, but first year in a COVID year has taken this team well above anybody's expectations. So huge shout out to Coach Drinkwitz. Well done. And, and
4: let's not forget they had to open the season against Alabama. They also played Georgia and Florida. It's like, oh, my goodness. But yeah, Iowa, Missouri, Welcome Florida, and Oklahoma on Wednesday is really, really good. Thursday's boring, right? New Year's Eve. There's really nothing there that's exciting. Yeah. But then that Cincinnati-Georgia game um, to start New Year's Day, that's going
1: to be awesome. January 1st and 2nd are going to be exciting days for sure. There is no doubt about that. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to preview all of those New Year's Day games. We are so excited for that. You're listening to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Welcome back to the WLCA Sports Show on 89.9. Oh, baby. It is time for our college football picks of the week. And while there's no real big games today that we're going to be picking, we are going to be picking this week's matchups because it is... New Year's Six Bull week and it is not far away and boy oh boy so excited for it cannot wait really looking forward to it we are joined by best times of the year oh absolutely we're joined by Mike Lemons our station manager and college football aficionado I won't hype it up this much this time because I got roasted for it last time but it's going to be a really exciting one we'll start off with the game just to kind of get it out of the way, they're the local team. It's the Music City Bowl. It isn't a huge game. However, there's not as many bowl games this year, so I guess every game's kind of a little bit more important. Number 15, Iowa facing Mizzou. Mike, who you have winning this one? Um, you
4: know, Iowa's offense is a little better. Uh, their defense is much better. I think that's a big deal. But you have to go that Iowa hasn't played any ranked teams. I mean, they when they played Northwestern, they weren't ranked when they lost to them.
1: Missouri um, isn't ranked either, though. Keep in
4: mind. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying Iowa's ob- opponents as opposed to Missouri, who had to play Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Wow. Um, so that may be the difference in their offense and defensive stats. I think this is much closer than the 15-point spread that's laid out there. And I think Missouri pulls a huge upset, and they win this game. Wow.
1: I'm going to go ahead and stick with the spread. I think it's probably about 10-15 to 15 in, in that in that area. I think that Iowa wins this one, so I'm not... Going anything too surprising, Jack? Uh, I'm going to stay with you on this one. I think uh, it's you know
0: I was going to win this game, but as uh, Nathan was saying, big shout out to Drinkwitz and what he's been able to do with this Missouri team. So the the future definitely looks bright for them.
3: Nathan, I like Mizzou in this one, and, and it's and it's actually because of Roundtree, Larry Roundtree. I think he's I think he's going to be able to put up some big yards against this this Iowa defense. And I think because of that, Mizzou is going to pull out an upset win, but it will be close. Am I wait? So
1: we got two and two on we're that one. Split, okay, that's yeah. not that's not mm-hmm. bad. All right. So next matchup, the Cotton Bowl Classic, number six Oklahoma versus number seven Florida. We talked a little bit about the this matchup in the previous segment. Now we're going to go into a little bit more detail on it. Nathan, go ahead and wa- let me know, what is the biggest key to Oklahoma being able to win this game? And then give me your prediction.
3: I think it's just stopping Kyle Trask. And and like you said, with, what is his name? Tooney? Oh, uh, Tony. 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 Uh, I think. There is okay. Tony. Yeah. So I think that, I think if you stop them, I mean, their run game hasn't been too impressive to me this year. So if you, if you stop them and you're able to get Spencer, Spencer Rattler going early, then I think Oklahoma wins and I think that's what happens so I I like Oklahoma in this one
1: Mike how about you who do you have winning this one and then what does Florida have to do to win this game
4: Uh, I have Oklahoma winning this one as well And, and here's why Florida just played their bowl game right I mean they lost to Alabama Heisman trophy's already been determined to be quite honest I'm a little surprised that that Trask is playing in this game I don't I don't know how much he could help his draft stock. I don't think that he'd hurt it. He could hurt it. So Florida's lost two games in a row. I don't know what their motivation is in this game, to be quite honest. So and Oklahoma has been playing really, really well after finding themselves Oklahoma's uh, they're really, really good. I like Oklahoma.
1: I'm gonna go with Florida in this one. I have them I guess you could call it an upset. I'm not sure who's favorite. I'm assuming Oklahoma's favorite to win this game. However, Florida
4: is actually favored by three.
1: All right, then I'm not going with the upset. I'm going with what the people think. Um, But I think Florida is going to win this game. I think this is going to be a close game down to the wire. I saw something earlier this week about a Florida, I'm not sure who it was, but a Florida Florida player basically dogging on the Big 12 and saying they're nothing special and kind of putting some fighting words out there for uh, the Sooners. But no, I do think this is going to be a really exciting game. I think you guys really nailed the the keys to the game for each team very well. And I think it's probably going to go down to the wire. And it'll be interesting to see how Florida's high powered offense, if they're still able to adjust with Kyle Pitts not being out there. So the only difference now is Kadarius Tony usually doesn't have all the attention around him. You know, usually Kyle Pitts Attracts that attention and then Tony's able to also have success because of that. It'll be interesting now with the attention on Tony. Will he still be able to have success? Will his receivers, will Trask's receivers still be able to, you know, do their job and get into the end zone? Because that's going to be the biggest key to this game and on how that so far successful Sooners defense is able to perform in that matchup.
4: That line opened, just to let you know, that line opened. I'm looking now. The line opened as Oklahoma is a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's now switched. So money's been put on Florida. Now they're the two-and-a-half-point favorite.
1: Next matchup, we have the Fiesta Bowl. Number 25, Oregon, facing off against number 10, Iowa State. Jack, who do you have winning this one, and what does Oregon have to do to win this game?
0: Uh, I've got Oregon taking the upset. I think that, you know, they surprised everybody uh, winning the Pac-12 championship game, so... I, I mean, I'm not sure I haven't really watched too closely into Oregon this year, but uh, I, I think that they can pull off another upset.
1: Well, I'll help you out in that. And I think the biggest key for Oregon is, you know, they have a really solid defensive end um, there, Kayvon, uh Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau, I think is how you say it, but he has been their by far their best player on the defensive side of the football this season. If he is able to get to Brock Purdy and able to put some pressure on them and Hopefully, make that a little bit more that offense a little bit more one-dimensional. That will be a huge key for Oregon to win this game. Mike, what does Iowa State have to do to win this game, and who do you have winning?
4: Iowa State just needs to do what Iowa State's been doing, and I, I don't I don't know that this game is that close. The line I think is four and a half or five, and even though these teams are a little bit uh, more evenly matched, um, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the advantage to Iowa State.
3: Nathan? Yeah, I agree with Mike there. I, I like Iowa State in this one, and I think they're they're just gonna run it all over Oregon yeah I agree I think that
1: that will be a little bit overpowering the that combination of Purdy versus um Hall will be a bit overwhelming Iowa State's going to be the best team that Oregon's faced this year by far so I have that one being a win for Iowa State man remember the beginning of the season when we were supposed to watch Oregon Ohio State and it was supposed to be like the game of the year man that just seems so so long ago um Next matchup, we have the Peach Bowl. Number eight Cincinnati facing off against a number nine Georgia. So 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 excited for this matchup. And uh, I'm
3: curious, Nathan, what does Georgia have to do to win this game? And what's your prediction? I mean, they have to. I, I think Georgia just really has to slow down Cincinnati in their offense and and kind of prove to them as as why they weren't you know why they weren't in those top four. And and I think if you if you beat them down physically then that's what you're going to, going to do. And I, I have Georgia in this one because of their defense, um, but I think it's going to be a very close game.
1: Mike, how about you? What does Cincinnati have to do to win this game and then follow up with your prediction?
3: I think I have Cincinnati
4: because of their defense. And you think about who has the bigger motivation, right? I mean, Georgia's been playing better. Um, defense will be on display. I think it's going to be time of possession, and Cincinnati's going to have to be able to run the ball. You know, they throw the ball fine. Sometimes they struggle to establish the run. Um, but I think if they can do that, I see them pulling an upset here. And I think their defense prevails in this one.
1: I agree. I have Cincinnati getting the upset in this game also. We're going to really find out how good Cincy is. And if all your talk on them this year, Mike, has really been worthy. Listen, Cincy's going to be fired up, ready to knock off a top team to prove themselves. George, on the other hand, is finishing up a season that was completely filled with disappointment. The Bulldogs were looked at as a top three team in the country at the start of the season, and now they're playing a non-Power Five team in their New Year's Six Bowl game. And a huge yeah. key will be if Georgia, the Dogs, they're going to be playing without their, I think it was the second all-conference linebacker, uh, Aziz Ojolari. That will hurt them on defense. That is a big piece of their identity right there. And, you know, that that we find those linebacker positions to kind of be that, like I said, that identity of those teams Losing that might hurt them a little bit and may allow um, Desmond Riddell to have some success there, you know, throwing the ball over the middle for uh, the Bearcats. I'm going to go with Cincinnati just for the heck of it and say, uh, see if the Bearcats can get this win, Jack.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a really good defensive game, just like Mike and Nathan have uh, both been talking about. Uh, And I think it's really funny saying that Cincinnati's the upset when they're actually ranked higher than Georgia, but Georgia's obviously the more proven team. I think this is Cincinnati's opportunity to say like, hey, we're a program that is that is here and that is ready. Uh, and I think I'm going to take Cincinnati in this game. I think like you said, they're going to be really fired up playing really well.
1: Next matchup, the Orange Bowl number five, Texas A&M number 13, North Carolina, Kellen Mond versus Sam Howell. Jack, who do you have winning this one? I'm going to take A&M. I love Kellen Mond. I've been high on
0: Kellen Mond all year. He had a couple rough weeks here and there but uh I think Texas A&M is going to be playing really angry uh kind of feeling like they got robbed uh out of that four spot from Notre Dame so I think they're going to really put a whooping on North Carolina to prove that
1: maybe they should have been in the top four Mike what does North Carolina have to do to win this game and then your prediction
4: They're going to have to score a lot, like they have been. They're going to have to score and score and score some more. Their offense is incredibly dynamic. Have you guys watched a North Carolina game? I mean, their offense is high Yeah, I watched them
1: just beat the crap out of Miami a couple weeks ago. I wish Nathan Tucker was here uh, (laughs) because he'd be hurting.
4: Yeah, I wanted God. I wanted you to uh, have <laughs> us have us preview the the Miami game too, but that's okay. We'll save that for our, our talk next week after it's over. But <laughs> after um, you know what? I, I think the over under this game is sixty seven and a half, and I think it may scream over that because although North Carolina's offense is really really good, uh, their defense not so much. So I think it's going to be a, a, a shootout, but I give a And M the edge in the end.
1: I'm going to go with North Carolina in this game. I think that. Right now, they're playing their best ball of the year. a on the other hand, may come into this game a bit flat-footed. You know, they're, we've seen teams respond in two ways to being the number five team: lack of motivation because they don't want to be, you know, they're like, "Wow, we're not in the playoff. What's the point?" And then we've seen teams fired up, wanting to prove off, prove wrong to the committee why that they are deserving to be in the playoff. So the, that could go two games. Mon's going to have to be solid for for the for the Aggie. Sorry, I couldn't get that out there. This is going to be a quarterback show. Howell is most likely going to perform. The question is, will Mond, In my opinion, Nathan, how about you?
3: Yeah, I agree, but I think I think Texas A&M does just because I think I or wins this game just simply because I th- I think this is going to be a shootout, and I think they get that one stop that's needed, whether it be just uh, you know forcing them to punt uh, or even a field goal. Um, you know, in this game, that might be considered a stop would be a field goal instead of instead of a touchdown so i think texas a&m barely will lead will edge out in that department and for that reason i think they win it but i i at this point I, i won't be surprised if north carolina pulls it out either
4: a quick a quick note on this game. Uh, North Carolina's top wide receivers opted out for this game. So, now, that's not a big deal. They have a ton of weapons to throw to. Um, but their wide receiver, Browns, opted out for this game. And where I said Trask, I'm not under, sure why he's playing. I can't understand why Mon's playing. And I think he's going to have to yeah. try to improve his stock this week. That's why I give a little bit of an edge day and and
1: number Next matchup, the Rose Bowl. This year, not played in California. It's going to be played in Arlington, Texas. Number 1 Alabama, number 4 Notre Dame. Nathan, who do you have one in this
3: one? <laughs> um Alabama. Um th- I don't I I feel like I don't need to explain, but if you want me to, I can. Um Notre Dame, good luck, I guess. I mean, you you've had a good run, but we will set up the coffin now for you. Yeah, I mean, you you just pulled Alabama who are Your grave is just being dug. I un- I mean, they're unreal. You they want to ro- run it, they'll run it. They want to throw it, they'll throw it. And they will stop you with their defense. So I guess good luck. Yep, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, you agreeing, Jack?
0: Yeah, like I said last week before the uh, Florida Alabama game, the SEC championship, I said it's that three headed monster and Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris, and all three of those guys had ginormous games. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing. Uh, Notre Dame, yeah, good luck. You're you're gonna get buried.
1: I I agree. Yeah, uh, Notre Dame, they're pretty much screwed. I saw a video of someone. I'm a Notre Dame fan filming the the announcement for the four teams and they're like, please. <laughs> and it got down to the four and they were like, please don't be us. They were. <laughs> Honestly, I, I understand the pain there. So
3: rest it, in peace to Notre Dame. It's crazy to me that we have to keep our eye out for next year with Alabama. They're doing this without Jalen And Keep yeah, in, I mean, keep
1: in yeah. mind Bryce Young, who was the number one dual threat quarterback uh, recruit coming in, is also going to be a quarterback for them next year. But I saw a picture the other day of Alabama um in the let's see in the national championship two years ago when they lost to
3: I know what uh, you're talking about uh, where it showed Jalen Hurts Tua attack it was and Mac, Mac Jones. Jones
1: Mac Jones Tua and Jalen were the three quarterbacks on that roster or the top three and that's yeah. just horrifying to them NBA. all warming up and now yeah, look at scary. them all Heisman candidates so just unbelievable Mike <laughs> What does Notre Dame have to do to compete with Alabama pray. in this game? <laughs> yeah, b- besides pray. To pray touchdown, Jesus? Yeah, no.
4: Um, they have to play with nothing to lose, right? I mean, they're just going to have to come out and maybe do some schemey stuff. You can score in Alabama. Florida proved that. Uh, but Ian Boak is no trash. So I, I, they can't get behind. They're going to have to keep it close. I would give them a fighting chance if this was a 30-minute game and not a 60-minute mm-hmm. game.
2: Um, or a 15-minute man. game. <laughs>
4: it's just uh, there's way too many weapons for Alabama just way too many they can run it they can throw it they can catch it they can do it on special teams I mean wow they're really really good and um, I I just I don't see any possible way Notre Dame wins this game
3: Alabama is just a complete
1: team from top to bottom they may they may be the best college football team of all time but that's an argument for another day final matchup number two Clemson number three Ohio State
3: Nathan who's winning this one I've got Clemson in this one. Um, I think Ohio State um, just hasn't hasn't really had that. Uh, they've only played six games. So that's, I think, is actually going to be a downfall for them whenever you're playing the competition that you have in a fully healthy Clemson. You know, we saw Notre Dame beat them, but not only were they without uh, Trevor Lawrence, which I, I know we talk about a lot, they were also without some of their top, defensive players especially including their, front
1: including their captain the guy at middle
3: linebacker that starts with an s but it's a weird name like saskis or something like that i don't know yeah i always want to call him swatowski but i know that's the guy from <laughs> from the longest yard um so i th- i think clemson's gonna win this one and if it if it starts to get ugly they will run away with it i think ohio state has the ability to keep it close it's just whether or not they will I don't think Clemson's concerned
0: about this at all. I mean, if you saw that Dabo Sweeney came out with his, you know, ranking as a a college football coach, and he had Ohio State at number 11. So I don't think he has any concern about Ohio State, and I don't think Clemson as a whole does either. I think Clemson's going to win this game pretty but easily. That could,
3: but that could cause some problems because if they're overlooking them, then out of nowhere they get you know say they get punched in the mouth early, say I, I don't tip think, pass for a pick six. Now they're they're scrambling.
1: I don't think Davos Sweeney is the guy to overlook a matchup like that, though. Keep in mind there. I think there's a difference between where he had them. He's still going to you know prepare very well for that game, and there's still it's still going to be. I think that there's no chance that Ohio State wins this game, or a little bit of no chance. They have better cha- a better chance than Notre Dame does of beating Alabama, but it's not going to be a... I don't think it's going to be a close game, maybe two touchdown. I don't know, 10 points. I don't know if you'd call 10 points close or not. The Really, the big thing, Clemson just has to do what they've done all year in order to win this game. That's the biggest key for them. You know, if... Travis Etienne can run the way he did last week against Notre Dame and Trevor Lawrence can pass the way he and perform the way he did against Notre Dame last week, then Ohio State's done for. So, Mike, how about you? Keys to the game for Ohio State and prediction.
4: Ohio State's going to have to play mistake mistake free. They're going to have to hold onto the ball a little bit better than they have. They're going to have to hold on defense, and I think that they can. I think their defense can match up for a while. Uh-huh. Um You know, Clemson dominated Notre Dame, and Ohio Ohio State struggled against Northwestern, as we talked about earlier. Um, Clemson has played almost twice as many games, and there's that question, you know, who's better off, those who've been tested or those who are rusted? And in this case, I think it's those who've been tested. And and although I'd like to see an Ohio State-Alabama matchup, uh, I think Clemson wins this game
1: so we are all going with clemson alabama for the national championship and we will just have to wait and see those matchups are next would be a great matchup oh we'll be talking plenty about it if it happens so we'll just have to wait and see mike thanks so much for joining us this morning the weather you know it's pretty nice outside but there's not as many big games today it's a little bit cold so maybe that's the reasoning for the uh for not too many big games today but i hope that you enjoy watching Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Arms up, fingers down. That's the motto to live by. Arms up, fingers down. I'm trying to think of what
4: that means. What? Arms up. It's an inside. It's an inside joke. You'll you'll get it if you read your text message. Okay.
1: Oh. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and not read my text message until I go off air. (laughs) All right. right, Thanks again, Mike. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna have trivia. You're listening to the WLCS Sports on 89.9. I'm gonna ask all the questions around here, and I'm gonna give all the answers.
3: It's time for trivia. I'm going to ask you five questions. The answer to every one of them will be on the WLCA Sports Show.
1: Let's get into it. Nathan versus Jack. First time these two are placing playing each other. Nathan, Jack is two and one in his time. So oh, he's I, dude, I
3: don't like the sound of that because we know I have not fared well in trivia. Let's get into a question
1: number one. Who was the last undefeated Division One national champion in college basketball? North Carolina, UCLA, Indiana, or Stanford?
3: I'm gonna go to UCLA. <sighs> I don't know why, but that's just jumping out to me. I'm I'm just gonna go with like the the pick that makes the most sense and
1: say North Carolina. Question number two who was the last professional sports team to change their team name? Was it the Tampa Bay Rays, the Charlotte Hornets, the New Orleans Pelicans, or the Anaheim Ducks? The Charlotte Hornets.
3: Okay, well, he was so confident and
1: quick on that. I'm going to say the Charlotte Hornets as well. He's a young and he's still learning the, the ways of trivia. Question number three. This week, the St. Louis Blues named Ryan O'Reilly as the 23rd captain in franchise history. Who is the longest tenured captain in Blues history? David Backus, Chris Pronger, Brian Souter, or Barclay Plager? Let's
3: go with Brian Suter. Uh, I think it's, is it David Backus, I think? I'm going to go with Bacchus. Question number
1: four. Last night in their loss, Steph Curry moved to second all time on the Golden State Warriors scoring list. Who is first on that list? And this is points scored specifically with the Warriors, not players that played for the Warriors in all time. Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, Chris Mullen, or Paul Arizon. That's... mm. Wait, say the the options again. I'm going to say Wilt. Rick Barry, Wilt Chamberlain, Chris Mullen, or Paul Reason? I'll say Wilt Chamberlain,
3: even though I'm sure that's wrong. because I'm going to go with know. Chris Mullen.
1: Question number five. Yesterday, Saints running back Alvin Kamara scored a record six times on the ground, breaking the all-time record. How many running backs were tied for the previous record? Of no, he,
3: he tied the record. No, he had six. Yeah. Which that, was the that record. That ties the record. No, that was the record.
1: I'm like... 68% sure that that was no
3: the he t- he tied the record with six all right well who <laughs> I'm gonna check that <laughs> but let's
1: go ahead and just assume that he had the record okay so if he didn't who all how many running backs have scored five in one game three I might be more than that now that I think about
3: it oh then I'm gonna go four. <laughs> oh come on <laughs> how Price prices right you No. we have a winner
1: That means that our winner for this week is the one and only Nathan Piercy Congrats. Wow. Nathan Piercy You get the dub for this week. It was close, but you were able to hold on.
0: Oh my gosh. If it's him one upping me on the last one,
1: we're going to go ahead and we're going to go through some headlines before we go through the scores for the week. Nikita Kucherov is to undergo hip surgery and will miss the 2021 regular season with the hope of returning to the playoffs. Along with that, pittsburgh steelers legend linebacker kevin green passed away this week at the age of 58 the cause of death at this time is unknown and then both the arizona wildcats and auburn tigers made new hirings this week for next season for college football as their new head coaches jed fish as the new head coach for the wildcats and brian harson for the auburn tigers and then this week in sports we have several bowl games today highlighted the liberty versus number 12 coastal carolina cure bowl and then we have number one gonzaga facing off against virginia and number 18 illinois facing off against indiana and in college basketball and then we have three nfl games today the buccaneers facing the lions the 49ers facing the cardinals and the dolphins facing the raiders and the nba continues all day or well i guess starting at four and then this evening but man we have a full day of sports and it is just great all right guys let's go over these scores Question number one, who was the last undefeated Division I national champion in college basketball, North Carolina, UCLA, Indiana, or Stanford? You both had this one incorrect. It was Indiana who did it in 1975 and 76 with that legendary team coached by the one and only Bobby Knight. So 0-0 at this point. Question number two, who was the last professional sports team to change their team name you said, let's see, Jack. You said the Charlotte Hornets, and you said it so quickly so that n- you. So Jack Which said it so quickly. I'm realizing quickly. that I don't
3: think that's right.
1: Well, it actually is right. Oh. That's a dinger. So it, they were the Bobcats. They changed in 2014. The Pelicans changed from the Hornets in 2013. So oh, okay. I will
0: never answer fast ever again because I knew. Now that.
1: you're learning. I did it the same. I did the same thing. It's just a learning experience <laughs> as you were on the sports show, <laughs> young, young one. Well, now I know. Question number, th- so right now it is one to one. Question number three this week, the St. Louis Blues named Ryan O'Reilly as the 23rd captain in franchise history, who is the longest tenured captain in Blues history. David Backus, Chris Pronger, Brian Suter, or Barclay Plager? Nathan, you said David Backus? Yep. It was Brian Suter wow. from 1979 to 88. So right now it is two to one. With but there's a comeback
3: coming. They've oh, come been leading. On, Question
1: man. number four. Last night in their loss, Steph Curry moved to second all time on the Golden State Warriors scoring list. Who is first in points scored with the Warriors? Rick Barry, Will Chamberlain, Chris Mullen, or Paul Reason? Jack, you said Rick
0: Barry? I said Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. Well, either way, was
1: <laughs> the, it was actually Wilt Chamberlain, who has 17,783 hey. 17, points with the Warriors in his career. Steph is not too far away from that. And then the final question yesterday, Alvin Kamara, he either broke or he tied the single he did game tie. record. I
3: have it pulled up. Dub Jones and Gale Sayers both had six touchdowns in a game. All right. Well, all right. I'm wrong. I'm a it willing. It just hasn't happened since 1965.
1: A, okay. I'm willing. Okay. We'll say in Super Bowl era. Wait, I mean, does that mean that I'm right then?
3: No, you're still
1: wrong. Ah, uh, because it
0: was wait, how many, still way I'm more confused. than five. How many or, running
1: backs were tied for the previous record of five?
0: And it was oh, f- and well, you said- if we would have been going off of six, which is what it actually was. No, it was five. It <laughs> No, he tied the record with six.
1: Yeah, but we're, talk- but oh, I know, I was- we're I talking about talking. Five. I said five, though. Yeah. So you said three. Nathan said four. It was five. Fantastic. <laughs> Jim, Jim <laughs> Brown, James Stewart, Cookie Gilchrist, Clinton Portis, and Ricky Waters all have run for five touchdowns in one game. Well, Wait, if it would have been six, like, I would have won. You're
3: wrong on that, too, well, because Jamal Charles did as well.
1: No, I literally looked at the record last night. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. What are you looking on?
0: Uh, I was Pro looking, football reference. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. When I it comes was looking to last stats. night,
3: bro. It was so, on pro so football not, reference. Not all of these are, are running backs, but I know Jamal Charles is, and he you didn't even mention him. He did it December 15th in 2013. Are you looking at that right now? Yes, I have it pulled up on my laptop right in front of me. Here is every player who has scored five touchdowns in a single game. Jim Brown, Kellen Winslow, Bob Shaw, Clinton were they Hold on. Were they all rushing? Or were some of them
1: receiving? I'm not talking about total. Oh. I'm talking about
3: on the ground. Oh. Never mind. Yeah. Sit down. Okay. So then maybe <laughs> I, you I were right wrong. about him having the record then.
1: Yeah. That is what I was specifically talking about. Oh, okay, you know what? Well,
3: yeah. Th- I have that pulled up now too. You're right. He's the only one with six rushing touchdowns. That is a whole bunch of well, confusion well, that we just had to go how through. How the
1: turntables. Thanks a I lot, Nathan. Won.
3: And you know what? Maybe you shouldn't make word. them so confusingly. Oh my time. gosh. Okay.
1: <laughs> so what we have been doing the last couple of weeks is the winner gives a post victory
3: speech so what do you got for us nathan uh you know i i really like you know i want to thank my arms for being all always being by my side my legs for supporting me sidewalks you know keep me off the streets thank you that was one of the worst <laughs> that was deep post game speeches that we have heard arms so up fingers down we're man. gonna finish it off yeah, right yeah arms there. up fingers down let's that's that's what i'm saying from now on we're gonna leave it
1: right there guys Hope you all had a Merry Christmas to all of you out there listening. From Jack Barker, Nathan Piercy, and your host, Ethan Hannaford, thank you so much for listening on 89.9.